Find Your Feet with the Find Your Feet podcast. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the Find Your Feet podcast. I'm obviously Hannah Alston and this is uh, now just over 12 months that we've been running this podcast. Today's uh, episode has actually come on a little bit of a whim and a bit of a diversion from where we were actually going with our podcast series. And it came because we just had so many people writing in questions and asking for some advice in the lead up to a lot of the big races that are coming up and also the eight hour mission, which has been embedded into our Ultra Australia 100K training programs. And that event or that mission will be coming up for a lot of people on the weekend over Easter. So today's episode, we're going to be covering off on the psychology of preparing for adventures, missions and races. And what I really hope, I mean, there's so many take-home messages in this episode, but what I would actually really love people to take home from it is the importance of redefining what success means for you in these upcoming adventures that you're going on. For me, success has been about creating a willingness to walk towards my edge of discomfort and being able to sit there and perform there. It's not really about the outcome per se of a certain time, um, achieving a certain peak or crossing the line in a certain place. I think today's episode really also highlights the importance of defining what it is when you feel ready because I think it would be unfair an unfair expectation of yourself to expect that you are going to be ready for these adventures because missions um, have so much fear associated with them. Same with races. There's so many unknowns and things that are beyond your control. So we also talked a lot about the importance of what if scenarios and stepping yourself through all the different circumstances that could arise. And at the end of the day, we do these things because they're fun. So I think part of your learning and the journey that we're all on is to work out how can we have fun in um, in moments where we're also uncomfortable. I think today you're going to get so much out of it. This is also a really great episode if you're um, a supporter of someone doing these silly adventures because we talked a lot about the importance of support and sport crews. So this episode is jam-packed full of lots of tips and tricks and we hope you really love it. Just on a side note too, I just want to say um, a thank you obviously to our Find Your Feet retail store and all the crew in there working for us. They've been um, doing a lot of work for people setting themselves up for adventures recently and fielding a lot of phone calls. So please reach out to Find Your Feet if you have any queries about your upcoming needs. Also too, there's a sale on at the moment because it's Easter and uh, we have lots of uh, really great products there that will help you in what you're doing. Best wishes to all of the uh, people who are supporting the Ultra Trail Australia resources on your upcoming adventures and long missions this weekend. I know it's the longest and it will be probably one of the toughest, but hopefully the most rewarding that you are going to experience in the planners. Finally, we also have just released our Overland Track running tour. So that will be a tour with myself uh, and my husband, Graham, and we lead you through a 65-kilometre one-day run along the famous Overland Track uh, trail through the heartlands of Tasmania. So if a mountain adventure is on your cards, please uh, jump onto my website and follow the links through the tours page to find more information on this trip. That will be running in December. Okay, let's get right into the episode with Jess and myself talking about the psychology of adventure. 
rolling. Um, so when we were sitting down to kind of discuss as we do pre-planning our podcast, because we don't, we, we wing it sometimes, but we need to have a little bit I think of we structure. wing it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were sitting down um, to think about what we were going to talk about today, uh, we noticed that it needed, it definitely needed to include what was permanent to like our listeners at the moment and so with the upcoming mission um the easter mission for the uta and and all of these races that are happening at the moment um it seems like we really needed to tap into what what other people's fears were because that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today was like um race and, and mission psychology and we've got advice but also like to know what's really going on for our listeners as well. Yeah, it was a really interesting exercise just to sort of reach out and ask people what their biggest concerns were in, you know, the fact that this is in Australia, the launch of our race season in the trail running and ultra running worlds. Yeah. And whilst we might not have all of the answers for everyone, I hope that maybe some of the tips that we can pass on might help at least to calm some of the concerns amongst the listeners do you, yeah. do you feel like that yeah. yeah and you're right because we had such a strong plan for where we wanted to go <laughs> with Hold Your Trail Australia in the podcast series but we're sort of taking a little diversion we're taking the scenic route today yeah. Hey? Yeah. yeah but also much more inclusive as well we're trying to not just target our UTA listeners but like but anyone that wants to um use them for their running or for their lifestyle yeah, it's interesting because like what springs to mind when we're talking about this is um actually when I when I started doing a lot of coaching and was still racing as an elite orienteer actually in the time and also in trail running because when you start trying to explain how and why you've done things and what you might be doing you suddenly realize like it sort of steps up your own learning mm. and it makes you also have to take a bit of a dose of your own medication. You know, sometimes it's easier to sort of say things but then not necessarily go away and execute them. Yeah. So I feel like that this ability, thanks to the listeners, like for us to be able to share what we've come to learn has been like really vital in our own development as I guess as as athletic individuals but also with the podcast in itself eh? yeah 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 so um the reason that we wanted to do this topic today um was actually it's it's sort of aligning with with the UTA and the mission coming up um this weekend which has got a lot of people feeling quite nervous um and something that popped up for me when I was thinking I was actually out on my run and um you know like I was trying to come up with what what I kind of would want to to ask you or to be um, what I would want help with on the lead up and um, so putting myself in the position of of someone who is going into a mission this weekend and I thought I'm I'm really really nervous but I had to think that these people have come from so far already like if you think about where you would have started from and where you are right now like there's like a tremendous amount of growth in there and so if you're just sort of standing at the point where you are now looking at the mission it can feel really intimidating but almost like you forget how far you've come already it's so true and 
I always call that the shifting of the goalposts because at the at the beginning of any journey you set you set a a goal and if I take myself back to say Federation Peak it was purely to survive the adventure or even to be able to try some training runs in preparation for it you know that in itself to me was sort of the success like just even having a crack at the goal but then the more you go down those journeys and the more you get closer to the goal you start moving those goalposts further and further and then it becomes more about like you know how effortlessly can we do it how smoothly can I do it how fast can I do it you know and it Mm. and that adds an element of pressure so I'm really grateful that you bring up the fact that for a lot of us these journeys started I mean if you look maybe for at the Ultra Trail Australia as an example because it's been such a theme of this podcast today and um, you know so many of these people started say with our plans or with other plans or with you know the goal like over six months ago Mm. and if you look at yourself six months ago to where you are now you're a totally different athlete um, because you've just developed this base of consistency behind you and experiences that you can draw from. But then if you go even further back, you know, so many of us began these journeys two, three, five, fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. And would you ever expect to be doing what you're doing now if you put yourself back in those early shoes? And most yeah. of us the answer would be no. Yeah, like even the fact that doing an eight-hour run, like, you know, completing completing a mission this weekend, like, that could be the wildest that you've ever been and, like, that's the, the most you've ever run and, and that's the strongest you've ever been. And I think the, the term success is so – we forget how subjective it is. Like, to me, if someone had told me that they did that, I think I think that that's success or I would feel successful yeah. doing that. Um yeah, so I think it's a really interesting... Well, I, I think that brings a really important point into this because a lot of the questions came in around, like, I'm scared that I might not be able to execute on race day or um, I'm scared that I might not make the distance and fail. But I think it's important when you go into anything. So, again, whether it's this weekend and the mission or Ultra Australia or whether there's other things that make your toes tingle, it's like what is your definition of success? Because I don't think in our Western culture where success tends to be defined by, I mean, look at the Australian cricket team at the moment, like success has always been defined by winning in that world and the pressure that those athletes are under to win can make them do really silly things. So success has always been about accolades and times and results and places and, you know, how high you climb in the corporate ladder. But what is your definition of success? Because for me now, having really had to redefine it since I stepped away from the elite racing world for a while, I had to really think about like what what that was. And for me, I got to the place where it was success is being willing and it's the willing that I put emphasis on in that statement. Success is the willingness to walk along an edge of discomfort. So... It doesn't mean getting to a, a point at the end of that. It's it's more about being willing to put myself into that situation in the first place. And then the outcome is whatever happens from your ability to sort of sit in that edge of discomfort and, mm. and execute. Mm. Failure to me 
is not being willing to go there at all. And so that probably brings me to a really important point is that I feel for me success is about just having a go and my example of that and I think we did mention it on a recent podcast was the recent mission to Federation Peak Um, and again for those people who don't know what Federation Peak is it's just it's just a super remote mountain in Tassie It, it has a very frightening appearance with some really uh quite dangerous rock slabs at the top that when wet can pose problematic with (laughs) combine that with like the worst thick gloopy mud that you've ever experienced and a lot of oh like fallen timber because the track hasn't had any maintenance for the last 15 years and um scrub and not to mention that it's probably one of the wettest places in Tasmania and that's Federation Peak and for some stupid reason, we decided that it would be fun to <laughs> fun to to try and run run in quotation marks as well because there's not it's not really running. Um, so that was the mission. As it happened, um, Hanny always has a habit of trying to make a mission on her birthday, which means that you get a narrow window of opportunity and combine that with busy work lives and there's not a lot of flexibility to move the mission. And so we drove down on the most glorious summer evening with these huge, hefty thunderclouds over in the distance, thinking maybe, you know, maybe it would avoid us. And then woke up at 3.30 in the morning on the morning of the mission to the most torrential rain just beating on the van roof. And you snuggle it in your little sleeping bag and you know it's rained all night. And you can hear the river just gushing in the distance and the like wind was like, howling through the trees and we were just like, this is really dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lay there for a moment and I roll over and I said to Graham, like, I'm scared. And he goes, mm, yeah. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> so I just lay there for a moment and I just did a mental checklist and I'm like, do I have the gear for these conditions? Yeah, I do. Do I have the skills for these conditions? Yep, I do. Do I have the experience to draw from for these conditions? Yep, I do. Do I have the confidence then in myself for these conditions? Yes, I do. And to me, I couldn't come up with one reason with why I shouldn't just get out of the van and out of my warm sleeping bag and at least start. Mm. And to me, that was the success, was putting myself, like I say, on that on that edge of discomfort and being willing to, to try it and to stay there for a period of time, mm-hmm. knowing that if it really got too bad, I would turn around, that I would never put myself in a place of danger. But discomfort is different to danger. Um, but sadly, like our bodies sort of deal with fear in the same way. And so they feel fear and our innate response is to feel threatened. But if you can see that fear is like, Fear is something, um, it, it's there to really highlight you what's meaningful. Like you wouldn't feel fear if if that thing wasn't actually quite meaningful for you to walk towards. Yeah. So feeling fear is actually like a good thing because it's telling you that your goals are meaningful to you, but it's telling you that the only way to get out of fear is to get to the other side of it. And to me, by going back to my defin- definition of success, it's being willing to have a go and to be willing to be in that place of discomfort. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to remember that you touched on was like sometimes when I'm reading these questions, they people are really fearful about a quite seemingly specific and and small things. And I mm-hmm. say that with hesitation because um, it I have to put myself in their shoes and understand that in order for someone to in order for us to get to that place where that that fear is really like all well it's really like important to that person that it must mean that they really really care and so Mm -hmm. like having these fears is just a good indication like you're right of it of caring I definitely think you can't fake fear like if you feel fear you feel fear Mm. um anxiety can manifest a little like fear but that that real like I'm I'm a little nervous, I'm a little anxious, I'm a little bit frisky feeling, like can't quite sit down feeling like my brain keeps diverting back to the adventure, the goal. That just again is there to show you it's meaningful. And it's the same with love, like you can't really fake love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a friend said to me, How do how do I know if I'm in love? And I'm like, You'll know when you're in love. And it's the same with fear, like you'll know when you when you when you're scared. Mm-hmm. Um but for me, fear more and more and more just shows me that I that I need to at least have a go at this goal. It doesn't matter if I don't achieve the outcome I initially would love from it, but the success was just getting out there and giving it a damn good crack. Yeah. 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 It seems like um, you always have, well, at least from my perspective, you always have a sense of feeling ready. Like when you're talking before and you're going through your checklist and you sort of know, okay, I've got this, I've got that, like I'm going to be okay. You seem to be talking like you, you feel ready. But I sense that a, there's a lot of people that still don't feel ready. And um, is that because you balance your expectations to like to place them in line mm. with your like physical and emotional readiness or it's a really good question Jess it's a, that's a big question for me um I feel like there's different levels of readiness I think in some ways it goes back a little bit to what I've come to know about striving for performance that first and foremost you have to have the fundamentals of yourself down pack you need to know yourself, you need to be able to back yourself, you need to know what makes you your toes tingle and makes you tick so that you're picking the right goals and you have the right foundations to launch from those goals. Does that make sense? So the health, mm. the well-being, that sense of self I think is really important and, and is fundamental to that readiness feeling. Mm. And then I think you need to know how to make it fun and playful and to and to really like enjoy it and like federation peak i mean it had every element there to make it a really miserable experience like horrifically miserable and yet when i like walk away and i reflect on that experience all i can think about is just total joy mm-hmm. just laughing and and there were times when we weren't laughing and we were suffering but but then there'd just be this random little moment that it just pull you into giggles um, mm-hmm. at the at the situation that you find yourself in. And I think to be able to, to have that joy and fun comes from um, picking the right goal. And yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's also yeah. something you choose as well. Absolutely. And if you choose to 
like to think that you want to be there and that you're having a good time yeah. like you will no matter yeah. like what the circumstances are and putting that in a in a time frame perspective as in you've you may have chosen for example to to run say the 50k at ultra trail australia you might not be a hundred percent all in wholeheartedly choosing to run or to do your six hour mission this weekend because life might be feeling a bit complex and at the end of the day you just want to go and have that like zing of being in that that um, environment at Ultra Australia and being there with your mates but you need to kind of do the work to be able to have the zing on race day um, or on your adventure day whatever that is so South Coast Track there was like that was a huge zingy thing I really wanted to do but there was a lot of like hard work that had to go in behind the scenes and not all of it is fun but but I think if the goal is right you can still see the joy in what you're doing and and the Mm. beauty and the creative process of putting this all together to get ready for the event so I think the most important message I guess we're talking about here is to make sure that this goal is your goal and it's not coming from the wrong place like a you should or a fear of missing out or a um, my dad always did, you know, mm. so like that expectative uh, goal, I think yeah. that, so that's important. But, but if we then like, cause we were talking about readiness. So readiness, like I reiterate, it comes from a, a deep sense of self and you as a person. And then it comes from your ability to play, but then it comes from the work that you've done to put in the final, we'll call them the one percenters, but the performance elements. So do I know how to fuel myself? Do I know how to deal with blisters do I know what it's like to run for six hours in the rain do I you know like it's it's those elements that that come together for a performance yeah and they sort of come together in in the missions I suppose that's yeah like as you talk about that's where where you practice and and get they come together from experience so missions are a huge part of it for people especially newer to the process um Readiness, I think, for me comes from trusting the time that I've had in in preparing, like the whole journey. Like we were talking right at the start, you know. I mean, I I started in in sport at a super young age, you're probably like eleven, um, and everything that I've learned in that sort of twenty years. Oh my god, twenty years uh, <laughs> of being athletic has probably pulled together. Yes, more recently, a lot of the more recent learnings have been stronger and more applicable, but I think it's just trusting trusting that you, you've built this huge base of experience and knowledge and fitness. Um, but, but I just also want to add to readiness is that I don't feel that you – I mean, I can I can think of maybe one or two occasions in in all of that sporting time when I felt truly ready, like truly ready. There will always be a little like maybe I should have, I don't know, done more speed. Maybe I should have done a bit more strength training. Oh, that little Achilles, it just doesn't feel quite right. Uh, oh, the weather, I'm not really sure I'd like running in the rain. So you're always going to have that that voice inside your head Mm. um and I think it's just keeps coming back to that trust the process that you've been on yeah and realize that everyone is in the same situation yeah I think that's really important to talk about um and 
just that even the elites, they don't necessarily have this amazing easy time and it's it's kind of not doing yourself any justice by believing that that's so um yeah and I really love and you've spoken to me about this and I'd love to share it is that um it's the, the, the amount of holes that athletes get into um and the, the elite athletes and you're saying it wasn't necessarily that they get into into less holes it's that they get out of them quicker yeah, um, that was a lesson that came to me through orienteering, actually, where there's such an, an like a navigational mental element to the racing is that you, you, there you're trying to navigate through these eclectic Russian forests that you've never been in or the depths of some Ukrainian city and all its grime and filth and, and you're trying to navigate through these places and yet we're still making mistakes as elites. Like the best athletes in the world are are making errors of judgment and, and misinterpreting information from the map or from the terrain, just like a recreational or beginner would. But we know how to turn that mistake from a mistake into a strength or we know how to kind of rectify the mistake within seconds. Mm. We can pick up on that mistake and we can be willing to pull ourselves up and and jump straight onto what we know is right rather than panicking and letting it become a blowout, which could take minutes. And for some people literally can be like 10 minute mistakes where an elite would probably be able to rectify it within five to 10 seconds max, Mm. max. That would be a big mistake for an elite in orienteering. And so then when I started to think about it, I started to think about across all sports and particularly in ultra running where holes and challenging moments are inevitable in those events and my own experiences serve that we all have them Um, we might not have them at the same time we might not have them on the same scale but we all have these doubts and these hard periods but the elite is not is willing to not bite into it so much Mm. I think they're willing to look in their toolkit and go what have I got here that can serve me to get out of this and Mm. sometimes that might be like reframing that internal dialogue that you're having with yourself about like oh this is so hard this is amazing why am I doing this where it's like okay cool recognize that I'm in a bit of a tough place what am I doing about it and just changing that like to a positive yeah um or it might be like hmm hot spots on my feet what have I got in my toolkit I know I know how to deal with this um or it's like gee I feel a bit low and I've tripped over my feet a lot oh god I can't be very good at this and it's like no 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 like that's a fueling thing. I need to have a gel. I need to have some caffeine. Mm. So I think like the elites just can pull themselves out. They also know how to rely on their support crew, which is I think something we can talk about a little bit more. But um, yeah, we. I'm 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 a I'm not preaching from a place of converted because if I look at Ultra Trail Australia 100k last year. Um, I'm so proud of my result. If I look at the time, the place, um, but I don't feel like like I, I wouldn't change a thing. That to me was just a fantastic result, and yeah, one that I will always be proud of. But I'm not proud of. I, I don't feel like I achieved success on that day because in those moments where it got really tough, I wasn't willing to go to that edge and be dis- uncomfortable. Mm. And well, it, I eventually was, but it took me a long time to get there. So when I was having we'll call it like a mistake or a, or a low point, I was buying into it and I was letting it dominate me for 
at some time it was even like nearly an hour of my race was just dwelling in self-pity mm. and wanting to like put an end to it and it it took me a long time to get out whereas if I'd if I'd really been serious about it I would have looked in my toolkit and gone need gel need caffeine need to rely on my support crew need to change my headspace and I would have I should have like pulled myself out so I think what we're talking about is is worthy of that lengthy discussion that we've just had yeah yeah it's a really important one yeah yep cool so um a lot about managing expectations making sure that you feel ready um a really great way that I've picked up from you as a something that you've done in the past is compiling a list maybe like a week before your your big mission or your race or whatever about um the what ifs yeah um, so not in quite a way that it's like makes you more nervous but it's more just like okay I'm going to get real about this these are all the possibilities that could happen and then problem solve like okay if that yeah. does happen like what am I actually going to do about it yeah that's it this one really excites me now it used to be something that I was like oh that's a bit it's a bit goofy it's a bit you know nerdy to to do this when I was in my orienteering world so I used to just kind of do it on the sly you know not tell anyone that I was gonna hibernate in my hotel room for you know the next few hours because that's what I'd be doing but then I was listening to a podcast with Alex Honnold the free climber and I like he I just I I adore like I idolize him and what he does (laughs) and even he was saying that this is something that he does and he does it on quite a consistent basis, like through all his training. Like it's not something he just waits till the last minute. He, because um, f- for him the consequences of falling off a, off a massive like mountain cliff, is that he dies because he doesn't have a rope. But he what ifs that? What if I slip? How? What's what's the trajectory of my fall? Am I going to hit a rock and just go splat, or am I going to bounce into Never Never Land and then I really go splat? Like he, like when you listen to him, it's hilarious. Like, but but by going through the what if scenarios, he's allowing himself to go. Well, then what can I do about it? How can yeah. I prevent that going splat moment happening? Yeah. Um, and that was something that I did in my orienteering. So like, what happens if I break my shoelace? What happens if I break my compass? What happens if I'm coming dead last and the commentary is really playing on that and I listen or I hear that? What happens if I'm doing really well and I hear the commentary? Mm. What happens if I get caught? What happens if I catch someone? And we go, like, I just go through absolutely every single scenario that I could possibly think of and I'd come up with what, what, what I would do. Mm. And it might not mean that's exactly what you end up doing, but I think by going through the process, you're allowing yourself to play out your fears and play out your expectations and see what your intentions are and sort of really getting your head around them. Mm. Um, so probably something I didn't do very well in UTA 100 going in because I was, even in the lead up, I was getting very caught up in what what expectations I thought the community would want to see from me because I'd been coaching the event, because, you know, like I just I had just put too much pressure on my shoulders and I couldn't stick my head up far enough to be like, well, what can I do about it? Mm. Um, but if I was to go back into this year's event or if someone's feeling nervous, I'd be really encouraging people to go through those scenarios. Like what if it's raining? What if I don't sleep well the night before? What if I sleep so well and I just wake up really like dopey? What happens if I pick up a cold in the last two weeks? 
Um, what happens if I lose some of my gels in a, in a leg? They bounce out. What happens if my bladder breaks? Um, what happens if I get to an aid station and there's no water? What happens, you know, what happens if I get blisters? What happens mm. if I have a really negative place and I don't want to continue? What happens if I get there and my support crew is not there? Do you yeah. find that, like, half the stuff or maybe even more than half the stuff you write down, like, doesn't even, it never even happens, but, like, just oh, yeah. doing the process, like, makes you feel like you are more ready or well, there's like, more just, prepared? There's, and it came as a question, like, oh, should I do my mission this weekend and will that tell me what my pace should be in the event? And I just read that question and I was like, I'm surprised they're even asking the question. And it was, it's not a criticism. It's just because there are so many variables and unknowns in ultra running. It's not like we're Mm. running around a 400 meter athletics track that's smooth surface. Even then there are variables if you're an athlete, like it could be windy, it could be wet, it could be, a big race field, I might get, might, they might be aggressive, they might push me over. Like there's yeah. variables that are outside of your control. But what makes a lot of us scared is that we feel out of control. As humans, we love to feel in control. Mm. So by going through these what if scenarios, I guess you're giving yourself the a, that sensation that you are in control <laughs> of these uncontrollables. I'm just like having this feeling that, um, you know, you could sit down and write them for like a couple hours and maybe you get, I don't know, like 50 or whatever. And then maybe only a couple of those 50 things happen, but then like a hundred other things happen that weren't even on your list of 50. But because you've like mentally put yourself in a place like when you hit the start line that you're just like, did my what ifs, like totally got all the, all the possibilities down pat. And then I think it's like, it didn't, it doesn't even matter because then when you get into that situation like you you just deal with it like you do you just get through it because it's right there in that moment and you the best the best way you're going to be equipped for for that moment is like when you're exactly in it I'm not I think no 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 (laughs) I, I mean I get where you're coming from and I like I think my take on it is that you've changed your mindset before you get to the event or to your mission or to your adventure whatever you're doing so you've gone from being a little bit of a worry wart, which we all become, I think, when we're in the lead up to something meaningful, to being a problem solver and to being really curious about that experience coming up. So when, excuse the language, but when the shit hits a fan, for whatever reason, in your precious event, your mentality is a problem solving mentality, not someone who's feeling stressed and anxious. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I think um, there's two things that come up for me off there. And it was that going back to the support crew. So you don't have to feel like you're totally alone the whole time. Because like that's what the support crew is there for when yeah. you are. But then also what we were talking about yesterday with the um, being your own best friend. Like mm. during those periods as well. Like getting through those really, really hard times. Like, yeah, maybe like your support crew is not going to be there all the time. But but you're you always going to be there with yourself yeah. and like the coming back to choosing joy and choosing like um I want to say happiness but like sometimes it might not feel like happiness but choosing like better feeling thoughts in that time instead of yeah, like being yourself. absolutely you're right just like at the end of the day it is you you can have people around you you can have friends running with you but it doesn't change the fact that you will probably have low moments 
or you might have moments that you wish you could share with someone else but there's no one there and you have you know you have to be able to celebrate those moments you have to be able to just be comfortable in your own shoes and comfortable in that goal that you set yourself and comfortable in the fact then that you're in a position of what you're in Mm. and be able to nurture yourself through that moment and sometimes it's a bit of tough love and sometimes it's being gentle on yourself um and really yeah so but but the what if scenarios one thing by that by doing them you can do is you can fill your toolkit up because you might by doing it might you might realize there are items of gear that are missing that would probably be a really good idea to have either on you or in your race kit bags or um, it's showing you that maybe you need to change your support crew or that you need to prepare for the wet weather that could happen. Um, do you know what I mean? Like it, like it gives you weeks or months to to sort of fill in those gaps. Like you don't want it to become a stressed state but – but it gives you time to do something about it. So my example of it was there's quite a common occurrence that happens in orienteering that you break compasses. And if you break your compass, your day's over normally. It's very, very hard to orienteer with complete accuracy without it. So you carry a spare compass. If that's a fear and that's something that you think game over moment, then do something about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's really important. With support crews, though, I want to also talk about support crews because a lot of people pick people to be in their support crew who they love and they feel really comfortable around and they make them feel really special and precious. My gut feeling is, from experience, that might not necessarily be the right people to put in your support crew, especially if they don't understand the fact that to be a good endurance athlete, you will have low moments and high moments and you need to to be allowed to have those moments. Does that make sense? Mm. So I've seen a lot of scenarios where people get to an aid station, they're in a low moment. And normally I think that when people know that love is coming, they tend to soften. Um, so if you knew that you were only 10K into a 25K segment, you'd probably put a bit of tough love on yourself or you'd get that gel out or you'd start to look after yourself. But when you know it's like one or two kilometres to go until you see all these like bright shining faces who love you and, and are in that moment there to kind of help you succeed, I feel like that can often weaken people. Mm. And so then you turn up and you're in a little bit, maybe you're a little bit teary or maybe, you know, you're doubting yourself and they start to buy into that and going, oh, yeah, he doesn't look good or she she's she looks like she's really hurting at the moment or maybe, no, you shouldn't go on. No, you know, like, and if they don't understand that necessity to go through the really uncomfortable to really to bloom at the other end, mm. there's a risk that you can end up backing out. Mm. Um or spending too much time sitting in a chair waiting till you feel better before you go out. And really the best thing you need to do with aid stations and support crew um, was really what Graham did to me at UTA 100 last year. This makes me laugh so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it was a story that I think yeah, that is. <laughs> it, it, was, it was really hard 
for me at the time to understand what he was doing. But my support crew involved Graham and my mum. And mum's been through a lot of things with me, but probably still doesn't completely understand the depths of pain that you really go through. And especially when you're going really hard um, at the front, pointy end of, end of a field. And then also my my best mate, Dale, who's been on all my adventures with me recently, and his wife, Kendall, who um, worked with us. So she knew me pretty well. Anyway, the course had changed. I was in a world of pain. I'd, I'd probably... Um, diverted from my nutrition strategy because of the emotions that I was experiencing it was like no I'm done I'm I don't need another gel because I'm done I'm I'm like you know I'm just going to get to that aid station they're all going to be there and the car will be there and I know my white fluffy you know hotel bed is waiting for me and I'm done and I and I really dropped off my nutrition but you you know I think everyone has those moments where they they doubt themselves and that's why I say about the elites will really know just take the gel and just see what happens. Just ride this out, you know, look after yourself, tough love, talk to yourself and um, and pop out your cum. But I didn't. And so anyway, I get towards this aid station and I see Graham and my support crew not in the changeover spot. I was like, what are they doing? Like, I can't talk to them unless they're in the aid station. And so I started getting really grumpy with them and like, and they just crossed their arms and said, no, you've got to keep going. I'm like, what do you mean I have to keep going? I'm not keeping going. I'm done. I am done. And they're like, no, 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 you have to keep going. You're not at the aid station yet. And the course had changed. So they were making people run through the aid station out to a turnaround point, two kilometers further down a big gravel hill, turn around, run back up the gravel hill, and then you would get to the aid station. So everyone was getting quite confused. So anyway, they just literally just shoved me from behind, like, keep going. You have to keep going. And I... I set off down the road in the biggest almighty hump, like this is this is just stupid. Like I'm I'm so done. I'm I'm just walking. I'm and I just was walking and jogging and walking and like when I get back there, I'm you know <laughs> and like you just having you this, like a grumpy old man. Oh, You're like, oh, I was so oh, so grumpy. <laughs> anyway, I get back to the aid station and I'm like I'm done. I'm done. And they're like, No, you're not here's your bottles, here's your gels and they're grabbing my rubbish out of my, my vest pack and stuffing more gels in and grabbing my bottles and stuffing my bottles in and they're shoving me out and I'm like, tears are streaming down my face and Graham's like, we're not having this conversation here, get out, like I don't want to see, just get out, just start going up the road and Dale will be somewhere up the road cheering you on. So if I set up this road and I'm by now I'm furious, like they don't understand me, they don't get me, like but because then I had about 20 minutes of like slow, grungy, uphill bitchman road to really think about my sorrows, I began <laughs> to really come into an appreciation that they were doing this because they wanted the best for me even though the best for me at that moment in time would have been a hug, they knew, like, for the long-term best of me, I needed to get this thing done. Yeah. And it didn't matter how much it was going to hurt. And so, like, I was able to kind of then calm myself down and then I bumped into Dale and he said, I'll be the next, you know, 
the aid station like we'll see you there and I'm like you promise you promise you'll be there for me and then when I got there Graham's standing way off in the grassy corner <laughs> obviously didn't want me to like um sort of yeah like he I mean I think he felt guilty that he he hadn't been able to wrap me in a hug and tell me everything was going to be okay but he knew deep down that that my biggest danger zone was to be around too much love yeah otherwise the bubble you speak about would have yeah. broke so I yeah. only bring that up as a long example but I think a really important example that you, if you're going to have people who are really close to you they need to understand what you need when those times are really tough yeah and most of the time you need a jolly good shove yeah, yeah. so ready. maybe like having yeah. a sit down if if someone's yeah. like a bit concerned that maybe their their loved ones will show them a bit too long yeah like just having a sit down and be like look this is really it's important if, if your expectation and your um your goal is is to like is to finish and to you know finish like being proud of your efforts then to say to your support crew like I don't want to pull out like yeah. that, that. My goal is to finish, and and yeah. I need you to support me to to get me yeah. that there. So if I'm going to be hurting. Yeah. And I'm going to be, you know, like not happy sometimes. But but my ultimate goal now is is to finish. Like definitely, and I think it's sometimes. Um, can be really helpful to give your support crew the, the contact of someone else who's been a support crew before because it is a really emotional job. Like when you are the athlete in the depths of it, as much as you want to be like a really nice loving person, there are probably going to be moments where your grumpiness really comes out um, or your confusion or you know some people like they might be standing in a corner corner vomiting and it's not the world's prettiest job Mm. the support crew role it's really rewarding because when you know when I got to the end of UTA 100 last year the emotions that I felt was that it was such a team effort Mm. it was a team effort from like the people back home at work who were who had given me the, the space to sort of in those last in that last month sort of really knuckle into the goal and focus on it and give it my best shot through to like, yeah, the support crew who were out there who pushed me on because if they hadn't been there, I wouldn't have got to the finish line. So I think it's important that support crews have the opportunity to really know what their role is, however however you go about that. Cool. So we've spoken a lot about the mission from a broader perspective but let's go a little bit more into like the mentality while you're like actually in the mission um so do you have any tips for people whilst they're going along and maybe they're starting to find like they're starting to get caught in these little things that we talk about um where, where is there's just some advice that you could give for that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, I love this topic. You know, so, like, if, you, if you're talking about, say, an event and there's so much information on websites about the profile and the checkpoints and the halfway mark and, you know, like, in, you can get really caught up in, in all of that. And, I, I mean, it's important to know it from a broad perspective of what... <laughs> where where the challenging points might come and 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 that's part of that what if scenario like that you you go through but the biggest tip that I have is to cut all of that out and just be like the halfway mark is and then I normally pick something that's about 75% of the way along the course 
so like yeah UTA 100 for me it was the hospital the last like the last checkpoint um and from there you only have about 19k to go out of 100 but that was halfway in my brain because I feel like it's a bit sneaky really on yourself because you definitely get to 50k and your brain's trying to tell you you're halfway but you, but it allows you to create a new dialogue in your brain. Yeah. Like, no, 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 we're not halfway yet. Yeah, because I find um, I've done the Kokoda Challenge on the Gold Coast, which is a 96-kilometre hike mm. through the Gold Coast hinterland, and being in the feeling of thinking, I'm almost there, I'm almost there, I'm almost there, can drag on forever. Like, yes. it feels like when people say you're almost there, like – that feels like forever. Um, mm-hmm. And I've also done support crew checkpoint on the last checkpoint of the Kokoda Challenge. And people, like 90% of people that came to that checkpoint, they were asking like, how many K to go, how many K to go, how many K to go. And we don't never actually marked exactly, like we don't know exactly how many Ks there is to the finish line. Like you, ju- you just don't know. So we would always like overestimate to tell people um, which sounds a bit sneaky, but it does make it feel yeah. shorter because I remember they also one year, which was really hilarious, but also like very heartbreaking at the time. Someone who'd set up the the countdown to K's to go <laughs> had put up a sign that said 15K to go. And then about three K's down the road, they somehow had another 15K to go oh, sign. That's mean. And it was like, Oh my god, yeah. what do you mean? Heartbreaking. Yeah, and so yeah. It's I think it's really important not to get like yeah, fixated on on the numbers of like yeah. how much you have to go because then it also pulls you out of the joy of actually being there yeah. and doing it because it's like it's what you worked for. Like this is where you wanted to stand for like months and months. Maybe not in that exact position of like suffering and and it, uh, but you know like it is though when you sign up for these events. I think it goes back to something else we were going to mention, which is just about being real, like the mm. realism element. Like running, running twenty k, fifty k, hundred k, forty k. I don't care what it is. Federation peak, whatever it. It's not ever going to be easy. It doesn't matter how much training you do. It will not be easy. And so remembering that sort of element of realism when you're out there going, yep, I knew this was going to happen, um, makes it a whole lot easier to deal with. But but that, that the halfway mark trick for me, it has so many positives in that. Mm. One is that... Um, there's something really, really hard about feeling great for the first half and then starting to unravel. You know what I mean? So like you go, oh, yeah, great, I'm at 50K. Now I've just got to do that again. That's fine. I can do that. And then the wheels start coming off and and it's normally because like then the second thing in that is that you, you've probably underestimated how hard the back end can be of, mm-hmm. of an event. Mm-hmm. Um and also, too, like most people slow down. So in time-wise, you're probably not halfway at all. Yeah. Um, also, too, like I think it allows – it helps you to pace yourself because if you know you've still got to be feeling good now at 75K because um, that's halfway and you want to feel good in the back half or better in the back half, then you really have to be a little bit more conservative and really keep on top of your fueling and, you know, all the positive things that you need to be doing to make sure that – you can get to halfway feeling okay, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
And then, yeah, then like you say, that psychology of like feeling a whole lot shorter than you expected it to be, that's just something so glorious in that it's almost to the point where you feel like you're running downhill mm-hmm. <laughs> towards the finish line, which is a nice feeling rather than uphill finish. So, yeah, that, that trick to me is just really vitally important um, one to doing events yeah. and adventures. And the other one that I have, uh, my other big, big tip is about, and this is something like people who are doing a, a training run between now and their big day can practice is to get in a bubble, learn how to how to put your walls up and go into your, your pain cave. Um, I like it, bubble better than pain cave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to get into your, to get I into like your bubble. I feel like someone said to me, you should get in your pain cave. I'd be like, um, I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay, fair enough. All right, I'll rephrase. Um, get in your bubble. That soft, fluffy, lovely space I better just... Um, I feel I feel like if you get too far in front of yourself again, like um, you know, if you, you're spending too much time thinking, oh, how many kilometers is it to go until the checkpoint, and and you know, you like your brain's just going over time thinking and thinking, like because you can when you're running along, you think and you think and you think because you got like probably you got like eight, ten, twelve hours of think, think yeah. time. So I Ooh, actually I was gonna say, do you use any do you listen to music or mm-hmm. do you listen to podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely listen yeah. to podcasts. That's actually yes. what I would recommend. <laughs> no, actually surprisingly no. I have um through my what if scenarios before the Overland track, my last time that I did it, I um I had a don't do this at home kids. I had a a fracture in my kneecap. And I still was adamant that I wanted to run the Overland Track event. Yeah, it was not a not a great idea, but but because I knew that I had this no, please don't try this at home, kids. Um, this weakness in my body, I thought that there might come a point where I needed to distract myself from discomfort, and I actually did put a tiny little like um, I don't know, MP3 player back in those days. Back in those days, um, into Got my okay. <laughs> Um, I put music in my vest pack knowing that I might need it, but I never did. But it was just a comforting knowing that it was there, ready to go if yeah. I needed to just pull myself away from my um, pain. But um, but no, my the way I cope is, like I say, to go into this little, little bubble moment. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just a mental state where you just keep pulling yourself back into the rhythm of, of the running mm-hmm. um, and the now and maybe looking around at the views and I tend to kind of not look up as much I do tend to look more down in front of me so my vision my world becomes smaller mm-hmm. and it's sort of blocking out the noise and especially if you're on your own or you're around someone that maybe looks really scary and pro and makes you feel a bit insecure it's sort of like just blocking that out and, and dropping your gaze and feeling the rhythm in the just even if you're walking like just the rhythm and the movement of that and mm. and trying to sort of just let time start to slip by mm. um that's what I call bubble state and I I find that it's I can I love that feeling like I actually really love that internalizing and entering my world and um the only time I find like my bubble will burst is when I feel love 
Um, and that's that's where Graham knows is like we go back to support crew mode then. Like that's that's my weakness. Is mm-hmm. like if, if Graham was unexpectedly standing on a certain point waiting to cheer me on, it would burst my bubble. And and my example of that was um six foot trap. And um there was a bit of pressure, it felt like pressure on me to perform because the year before I'd got really close to this very, very long standing, quite famous record. And um so for me, I had an outcome that I wanted to try and achieve this record. But stupidly, I decided to wear new shoes. Don't try that one at home, kids. Um, and I started to lose my toenails on both feet. But because I was in my bubble, I was dealing with it. Like I was, I was like feeling pain, but I'm not. I'm not feeling. No, I'm fine. I'm not feeling the pain. And drop my gaze, narrow in, take my gels, keep nurturing, keep looking after myself. A little bit of tough love, and it wasn't bothering me. And then Graham had decided to run up the track, and he was about three kilometers from the finish there to cheer me on. And I looked up and I saw him, and this excruciating pain just set in, and I was crying. I was. I just I don't want to be here. And I just remember saying, my toes, my toes, my toes as I'm running down this hill. And um, poor Graham, like, he'd been there to, like, share the excitement or whatever it was or give me some support. And, and it, it just brought me unstuck. Mm. And, I mean, I got to the finish and it all worked out fine. But um, I did end up losing all my toes, toenails. <gasps> Not my toes, my toenails. So it wasn't. It was really not a not a great experience. But but that was just that classic example of like I think if if I'd been left to my own devices, I probably would have been fine mm. in quotation marks. But but a little bit of love was enough to burst it. Mm. So again, a good thing to to do with your what if scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I find music really helpful. Like mm. having a few songs just in a playlist that you know bring you like sort of out of it out of mm. a slump like mm-hmm. even just a couple of songs yeah, I find definitely. that that yeah to yeah. be really helpful so it's interesting. I think everyone is different, different. Mm. And, it, and again if you can just imagine like you've just got this builder's toolkit you know attached to your waist and in there are all these things that you might need and, and skills and experiences that you have that you can draw from mm. and I remember for orienteering the mission um of running the overland track was so vital to going on into the next 12 to 24 months of racing because every time I stood on a start line where I fell outside my depth, I was able to reflect back on running this overland track, which was 80K. And, um, you know, I was so outside my comfort zone when I did that that year um, when I was 18 or 19 or whatever I was. But I was able to then draw from, draw strength from that. And mm. so that that was in my toolkit. It still is in my toolkit to some degree. Just that ability to perform over and above anywhere where you're near ready for. Um, and, th- and that was probably something I'd like to finish on is that I bet that everyone could probably get up off the couch today or from their work desk and go and bumble their way through their goal. It might not be pretty, it might not be fast, <laughs> it might not be your most successful day out, but I bet if I dangled a million dollars in front of you and said, go and, go and do it and I'll give you your million dollars, you would find the courage to, to do it. Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it's just being, just setting those expectations and being real and going, what's making it hard for you is the psychology element. Mm. 
and the expectations. Yeah. So if you can understand where you're at, where you want to be, um, I have no doubt you can do it. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, that's a good spot to finish. Yeah. Um, yeah. With everything and and we love here like it's amazing um we put up a social media like a, a post on social media and we had so many people interacting with us about about their experiences and what they're going through at the moment and like and how they're pro um progressing towards their goals and we love seeing that and reading those things yeah too. i'm yeah. just really grateful just for the journey that we've been allowed to go on with this podcast because when we launched it I think there were things that we really wanted to share, but there was also a world of stuff we didn't know we wanted to share. Yeah. And to have the support coming in and also the support of what we're doing, like our, our biggest supporter is Find Your Feet, um, mm-hmm. the company Find Your Feet, that's, a, that's really allowing us some funding is to be able to do this for free for the community. Mm. So the support that the, the, the company Find Your Feet is getting from the listeners and from the community has just been overwhelming and we're so grateful. So we're here to help. Like we do what we do because we love we love doing what we do and we love helping people and seeing yeah. what comes about of this wildness that everyone seems to have inside them. Yeah. So we'd love you to keep reaching out. We'd love to know more about what you wanna what you wanna hear, the guests that you wanna hear. If there's someone in your community that you think that we like, we have to podcast mm. and share their story. And we're all ears. So please like continue to support us in what we're doing. Yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Thanks very much.